Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the world's greatest podcast. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah, baby. Back once again for another podcast with Stan and Jim. One away from our birthday, lads. We're so close. Yeah, the big one, five oh. It's been a, it's been a ride. It's been a journey. It's a that meme of um, what is it, Paul Rudd on Hot Ones and Sean How Evans. I can't wait till we get our 180th gym for you. Maybe the power will come on for that one. Maybe we'll do it live on the crow. Oh my God. Dangerously close to home here, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> close to cancelled there as well, I think, doing it live from there. Somebody had say something, I think. Yeah, someone had yeah. say something. You don't vet the customers before they come in, that's for sure. Definitely not. They just vet them on the way out. That and the only ex-Arsenal strikers drink in there. They do. They do. (laughs) But sticking with Arsenal, we might as well start here now we've come on to that segue. Stan, they've won four out of four so far. Are they getting too ahead of themselves or are they rightly to think they can win the league here? Um... (laughs) I mean, for me, no, I don't think anybody should be thinking of winning the league right now other than City. Um, start of the season, it was only City and Liverpool for me. And you know, we'll talk about Liverpool a little bit later on, but their first three games, obviously, they've dropped so many points that I think Carragher was saying that already they're behind in that race. So no, I think Arsenal fans deserve to be, they should be happy. I don't agree with Richard Keyes saying that they're over-celebrating because, you know, you've won a game, I think, you deserve to celebrate however you want, really. I'm, I'm not really that bothered, uh, you know, as long as you win. Unless it's Basuma celebrating a 2-2 draw at Stamford Bridge, then I might, I might jump on that one. Um, but no, fair play to them. They're the only team that's won all four games. Um, four games that, I mean, people are saying they should have won. And to be fair, I've said they should have won the four games that had Arsenal dropped points in. I don't think anybody really would have been too surprised. So the fact that they have been winning the games that have been expected to win is probably a difference for Arsenal and for Arsenal fans. So, um, yeah, definitely uh, definitely reason for them to be to be excited. Obviously, they've made good signings in the summer that we've already spoken about and they've, they've trusted Arteta and, and, you know, they're going to be hoping that this season reaps the rewards and that they can finally get that Champions League finish. Yeah, Jim, obviously, Arsenal... Not to get overzealous, but they have won four out of four and they played some nice stuff in patches from what we've seen from Arsenal. And like Stan said, it might have been a game, I think he said it the other week on the podcast, the games where they've won points against Fulham and where they've really had to grind them out. Maybe Arsenal teams in the past don't do that. Yeah, definitely. Um, the, these fixtures being Fulham and Palace, they're two fixtures that Liverpool got two points out of. No, yeah, two points out of. So, I mean, there's they expect him to win games and he's actually doing it. Um, Arteta's managed his 100th game, I think it was on the weekend. I think the match of the day stat was that in his first 50 games, he got 75 points. And then in his next 50 games, he's got 100 points. So that's quite the improvement, really. Um, and the thing that impresses me about Arsenal, I mean, I'm not going to get carried away about anything to do with the title, but it's, it's tough enough getting in the top four nowadays with the quality of the top six. But just how happy that squad look. Um, you've seen the celebrations at the end with Zinchenko, who was a late injury um, miss for them in the game in Fulham. But it was all just absolutely busting at the end to win that. All the, the subs, everyone was getting involved. It just looks like 
probably for the first time in a long time for Arsenal that the players were actually enjoying it and so are the fans now. So, I mean, when they spent so long being one of these teams, they can get beat by anyone. To have a bit of consistency, they deserve to celebrate it. They've got every right to now. So, yeah, they're playing to them. And I mean, I'm excited to watch them against um, United. I think it's next weekend, maybe. Um, I'm excited to watch them against like a top coach and a team of top players and see how, what they do in the bigger games. Yeah, definitely. And I was just saying uh, off mic to my brother Ollie, who obviously is an Arsenal fan, about, about Arsenal and who's impressed him the most. And Willem Saliba was the player who he, he said has impressed him the most due to the fact he hasn't seen a lot of him play in the French League. But Stan, who's impressed you the most from Arsenal so far? Oh, it's good. I mean, Saliba is, is the one that's come in, hasn't he? Uh, but I'd, you'd probably have to say Gabriel Jesus. I mean, um, the difference he's made to their attack. I know he didn't do much against Fulham. I think he ended up, did he come off when it was 1-0 or something? But just those first three games and just his presence on the pitch, having that, you know, focal point for them that isn't Eddie and Ketia, you know, no disrespect to him, but Jesus is a few levels above and they've had issues with Aubameyang. I think Lacazette wasn't that bothered about being there and he's left for free this summer. So they've got a player there that um, probably didn't play as much as he probably wanted to at City. That's going to be hungry. It's going to come in and he's, he's going to be appreciated as the striker. He's going to play every week that he's fit. So I think that's important for Arsenal. So I'd say, yeah, in terms of, you know, changing the way that probably opposition defence is look at that Arsenal attack yeah and just as we're moving on from Arsenal I think it's only fitting that we stick with teams that play in red stand not your boys Man United but your old nemesis Liverpool they took their frustrations out from that loss at Old Trafford on poor Bournemouth could you say Stanley turned the cherries into lemons perhaps yeah, yeah they turned the cherries <laughs> into jam or some, something like that nice. um <laughs> No, they needed it. Obviously, I'm not going to say they needed a 9-0 because that's ridiculous. But I do think they needed a, a comfortable win um, because, you know, the first three games have just not been good. I mean, they can use the excuses of, of injuries and things like that. The midfield wasn't good enough. But if you look past that field, they still had Salah, Firmino, Diaz uh, or, or Darwin. They still had that back four with Allison in there. So they still had a strong team and in those first three games, they just weren't up to scratch at all. So uh, like I say, they needed to come into this game. They needed to, you know, at Anfield, I think they've got back-to-back home games now. That's the first of two. So they needed to come in uh, and win convincingly. And, you know, obviously that that they did match in the Premier League record win. Uh, 9-0, that's exactly what they needed now. And I'm sure that the, the... morale around the players and around the fans uh, they're going to be feeling totally different about the, the rest of the season now as opposed to you know if, if they did end up drawing that game or maybe only just a 1-0 or something and they look a bit shaky so yeah they, they needed that win Liverpool and obviously thoroughly deserved the three points with the nine goals Yeah I thought um, I just think Bournemouth are just such like an outlier in this season that they just seem to be clearly the 20th best team in the league and I think even Scott Parker, when you listen to his comments at the end of the game, he's kind of like, yeah, we're struggling and he needs new players, but it just looks like no one's coming through the door. I mean, I've not seen any kind of rumours or any kind of talk about this happening. And we've already spoke about the transfers that they have or they haven't made. It'll be interesting to see Liverpool next week, um, for maybe midweek, because there's midweek games, of course, for the next time we record. Um, they're at home to Newcastle and we've seen the problems they cause, um, especially if Bruno and Callum Wilson come back fit or if 
maybe Alexander Isaac, who's already played in the league this year, but scored against Barca the other night. It'd be interesting to see Liverpool against them because we. I, I don't think it's exactly turning the corner beating Bournemouth at home. Um, they yeah, are that bad. It's, uh, they need to do something against Newcastle and then after that they've got some easier fixtures that they can yeah. get on a run, get the players back in midfield, maybe get Matip or Canate back. Um, but yeah, it's been such a poor start for the season from Liverpool, so there we go, so move nine. Yeah, I, th- I think I think similar to Arsenal with Liverpool there. I think if Arsenal, I mean, I hope they don't, but if Arsenal beat United uh, on Sunday and if Liverpool beat Newcastle, then, you know, that they both will be looking at their seasons thinking, right, well, Liverpool will be thinking they've turned a corner and Arsenal will be thinking they've turned a corner from the last few seasons in terms of, of where they are as a team. But, I mean, if, yeah, if, if Liverpool play Newcastle midweek and, and don't get a win and they're shaky again, like you say, on the break with Sam Maximan, who's been ridiculous over the last two games. That goal on, on Sunday was just ridiculous. I mean, how, how many times you see balls at that drop and, and players don't even shoot? And the fact that he's shot and Jose Nisa has stood still and it's gone like a rocket into that bottom corner. I think it's gone at the same height all the way through into the goal. It's not even moved, but... So he's on some ridiculous form, like you say. There's Isak there. They can get uh, some other players in. Almiron's look really good as well and hungry. So, yeah, another test coming up for Liverpool. Uh, um, yeah, another test coming up for Arsenal. So it'll be interesting to see how they do cut. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, Arsenal have been very impressive so far, but October it really heats up for them and we'll see where they get off just before then. But moving on, we've already discussed Arsenal. We've already discussed Liverpool. Time to move on to City. Jim's side, Erling Haaland, Jim, we'll start with you. The Haaland heatwave continues, hat-trick at the weekend, the kid is a monster. I know we spoke in the pub this weekend and said it was 25-1 to 1 for him to score three hat-tricks this season, and I said to you I wouldn't be surprised if he did it. So, I'm not surprised. Yeah, it, well, I mean, it'd be ridiculous for a striker to get three hat-tricks in a Premier League season, but, I mean, Haaland's kind of different, isn't he? I mean, I think... I think, he, I think Ian Wright said on match the day that at 22 he's got 13 or 14 he's out. career he's hat-tricks. Out. Bloody hell. Yeah, yeah, he's, out. he's doing analysis now. I mentioned Jermaine Genius for doing some post-match talk. Well, he uh, won't get a DBS, will he? Moving on. <laughs> he doesn't even have a BBC. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, Haaland, he's just... He's, he's ridiculous. I, I've, I don't know. I, I know you, like, I think Kane their strike in the, in the world but I just don't think anyone can do what Haaland can do and I think City have obviously played poorly against the side that caused some problems every single season um, a very well drilled side who caused Liverpool and Arsenal and City problems in the first four games I think they've had a really good start because despite not having as many points as maybe they would have done if they'd have played easier teams but yes yeah, City were struggling um, and then out of nowhere Haaland scores he's, he still scores all that all types of goals. The second was a classic poetry goal standing at the back post ready to tap it in. The first, he showed his height and his strength for the header and his, his movement in the box. But to round off the hat-trick, the way he just bodied Joachim Anderson out of the way um, while he was trying to chase back, I just don't see any, another striker in world football who does that. Um, he's got six goals and one assist in four, four games. He's touching the ball like 18 times a game but every single time he touches it it's a goal or an assist or he's causing the defence problems I mean yeah it's just every single time you watch him you're thinking what's happening this has been 51 million pounds 
Yeah, and it's almost emphasis on the recruitment there where he could have jumped ship potentially earlier on last season and come to Chelsea and he'll be he'll be buzzing that he's waited and City have got him in for an absolute bargain. I know it's obviously easy to say that if he's in contract, he goes for easy 150 million plus if he didn't have this buyout clause. And Stan, he's got six goals and one assist in four games. He's currently the top scorer. How many do you reckon he's going to finish with this season? And do you think that he definitely wins the golden boot with Salah stuttering so much? Um, well, right. I don't think anybody's near him. Who's, who's second in the league? Do we know who's, who's second? Rodrigo's got four. Yeah, so he, he's four not going to carry on. I mean, with you think the only thing that the only thing that Haaland that's going to cause Haaland issues with that is the fact that we know every season he tends to probably miss two months worth of injuries. But I, I think the amount of chances City create, I mean, it's like Jim said, he, he only got, what was it, like 10, 12 touches or something and he scores a hat-trick. So <clears throat> it's testament to himself with the chances he can create from himself with that hat-trick goal. But obviously... Also, the the chances that City will create him just, and he might only need one touch, like Jim said at the back post or whatever, to to score a goal. So uh, he'll 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 break. You'd imagine he'd, he'd touch that twenty, and you know if you're breaking twenty, uh, you know you're almost guaranteed to be, you know, in the top two or three, if not winning it uh, by the end of the season. But. Haaland will want to win the league. I don't think he'll mind, really. If, if if he gets 25 goals and City somehow finish second to someone, I, I think he'd probably trade that for the title. So um, he's, he's here to, he'll score goals because, you know, he's, he's an absolute freak of a guy. He's not really got any weaknesses apart from, like I say, the fact that he might miss two months that might fall in a bad period for City or he might struggle when he comes back from it. But that is literally it. That's what the Premier League, are, the rest of the Premier League are hoping for in terms of that. So, because City, you're going to make chances and he's going to score goals so he'll be fine he'll, he'll, he'll keep scoring goals but um, yeah I'm not, I'm not sure whether he'll break Shearer's record I don't know how long he'll stay around for cup like you say but it, I'm sure whilst he is at City he'll, he'll, he'll be scoring goals but I mean on the flip side just I just want to say something about Palace, really. I mean, the fact that they've gone 2-0 up at the Etihad, they went 1-0 up at Anfield, and uh, I mean, I think they should have gone for the win at Anfield, but, you know, on the face of it, you take a point at Anfield there, even with Liverpool playing badly. And the fact that they went 2-0 up and probably should have gone 3-0 up at the Etihad, I'm sure, you know, despite them losing, uh, they'll take a lot of positives from that. I thought they did well on the opening night against Arsenal as well, so... They should be really pleased with the performances so far, Palace, and, you know, on another day... I mean, we've seen Palace do City twice last season and uh, and they've been one of the bogey teams. So on another day, Palace see that out. But I think Haaland, you know, going back to him, him just being on the pitch is is enough for defenders to subconsciously know that, like, he's around me. Um, and, you know, you make one mistake, he scores and, and he ended up scoring three. So fair play to City, they turned that around and that maybe is something that you don't do last season without a striker. So... There we go. That's the difference that big Erling Brout makes. Okay, listeners, that music can only mean one thing. It is, of course, the bet of the week. And you're probably thinking, oh, Cookie, but it's so long and there's midweek games. Yeah, we know there's midweek games and we've got you covered Tuesday and yes, Wednesday as well. So if you're having a little dabble on Tuesday, the bet of the week is as followed. We've got Palace versus Brentford. I've gone for both teams to score in that one. We've gone Fulham versus Brighton. Again, I'm going to go both teams to score in that one. Graham Potter's men playing well as well as Fulham. 
Chelsea away at Southampton. I've just gone a Chelsea win there. And then last but not least, in the eight o'clock kickoff, we've got Leeds United versus Everton. I've gone a Leeds win there. Sorry, Frank. So just to recap Tuesday's bet of the week, I've got Palace Brentford, both teams to score. Fulham Brighton, both teams to score. Chelsea to win away at Southampton. And then Leeds to beat Everton at home. And then if you're having a little double on Wednesday, like I said, if you don't fancy a little bit on Tuesday, I've got your Wednesday covered as well. Or even if your team's not waiting to have a little double till Wednesday. They might only be playing then. So in this one, I've got Arsenal, Aston Villa. I think Arsenal win this one to nil. Sorry, Stevie. I think they're very toothless in attack at the moment. And then we're going to go to Manchester City, sticking with the to nil train. Man City to beat Nottingham Forest to nil in that one. West Ham versus Tottenham. I'm going to go both teams to score in that one. And then Liverpool playing Newcastle United at Anfield. I'm going to go both teams to score. Result. Liverpool in that one. So just to recap, Wednesday's better of the week. Arsenal to beat Aston Villa to nil. Man City to beat Forest to nil. West Ham Spurs, both teams to score. And then Liverpool, both teams to score. Result against Newcastle. And lads, what can the listeners do with that information? They can shove it up the tight little hackers. <laughs> right, welcome back, Cookie Podcast listeners. Um, you just heard the wonderful bet of the week. I say bankers on both bets there from Cook. I mean, and if Tuesday doesn't win, we chase the dragon on Wednesday like the degens we are. Um, Stocks don't stop. (laughs) But Lou, you mentioned, you apologised actually to one manager and then mentioned another manager, two ex-England greats who famously couldn't play together, Stephen Gerrard and Frank Lampard, having a tough old time of Premier League management this season. I mean, we'll start on Stephen, um, who was Aston Villa side, look shaky this season. They made some good signings off the pitch, but on the pitch, Cook, what's what's going wrong? So I think with, with Villa, maybe it's too much too soon for them. They, they spent a lot yet again. They spent 30-odd million getting Diego Carlos there. He's out for the season, it looks like, with an Achilles rupture. So that's not great. He's, he's famously had a spat with Tyrone Mings at the start of the season, removed him from being the captain. John McGinn is now the captain, which I've got no problem with. I really like John McGinn. But now he's had to suck eggs a bit now because he has to play Mings because the depth isn't there with Carlos getting injured. And I think that ultimately he doesn't trust Tyrone Mings back there and he's having to, like we said, suck eggs. And I just think going forward, it's hard to get a tune out of the players he's got. I remember when they signed Danny Ings, I was thinking, all right, where's he going to go? Because they've, they've got Watkins who famously plays through the middle for them and they don't play two up front, and he thrives in a two-man system like he did with Shea Adams at Southampton. So I think some players are just square pegs in round holes for Villa at the moment, and I think he doesn't know his best team either. Like He's getting more of a tune out of Medi Buendia than Philippe Coutinho, it looks like, at the moment. But I think they're in trouble, and there'll be expectation there because Villa's owners, they won't settle for the mediocrity, and if there's a chance that they'll get relegated, they'll make a decision regardless if you're Steven Gerrard or if you're Dean Smith, it's the same goes, Stan. I don't know what you think, bro. Yeah, well, like you say, they've spent money. they spent money under Dean Smith, which is why, obviously, he had to go because he wasn't performing at the level that they wanted. They brought in Gerrard, who'd obviously done really well for Rangers. Um, and he spent more money. And I mean, I look at the squad and, and it sounds stupid because it's Villa. Like, they've got two decent fullbacks. They've got a strong keeper in Martinez. They've got... You know, Kamara they brought in, like you say, they've got McGinn, they've got Douglas Louise, they've got Jacob Ramsey, who are eight, they've got Buendia, Coutinho, Leon Bailey, 
Danny Ings, Ollie Watkins. So somewhere in there, Gerard's got to find his, his best thing. And it's it's not like he's the really solid defensively but can't score or the losing games 4-3 because, you know, they can score but they can't defend. They just, they don't look like they can do anything and that's got to go down to the manager for me. And, and you know, his, his win percentage being either the same or worse now than... Uh, Ralph Rangnick at United last season and Gary Neville at Valencia is absolutely damning. And I, I, to be honest, I thought that he was destined to take over Klopp at Liverpool. But I think even FSG now with his name, Gerard's done such a bad job at Villa that they probably look past him at the moment. Really, all he had to do really at Villa was go in and do an half decent job, couple of mid-table finishes, which, like I say, should be capable. He should be easily capable with that team of players that he's got uh, and the signings he's made. And he probably would have got that Liverpool job in a year, two, three years, whenever Klopp decides to to call it a day. But he's doing so badly at, 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 at not Liverpool at Villa, Jim. I mean, do, do you think there's any chance that Liverpool look at Gerrard anymore? Do you think? Because I do think I think a lot of people thought it was obvious that that was you know Rangers to Villa, few decent seasons. Klopp leaves in 2025. Gerrard takes over after you know a couple of mid-table finishes with Villa. Do you think he's got any chance of that right now? No, no, you, you can't say he does. Um, the performance is on the pitch, and yeah, I, I think managerially, it just looks like it's Stephen Gerrard can't get you know out of his squad. It's tough to blame the players when being changed around so much. Yeah, I don't, I like did mention before. I don't think he knows what his best team is. And I think that's entirely fair. I mean, if just if you look through the first four games this season, he's made changes every single. Between every single game, it's not like, oh, Steven Gerrard's gone unchanged from his last game. He's never doing that. He's wondering whether he should start Douglas Louise or Jacob Ramsey. Should he start Wendy and Coutinho together? Does he start Ings and Watkins together? If he doesn't know his best team, then that's the massive problem because there's no good team currently playing that doesn't know his best team. Um, you never yeah. see it. It's never a good thing when the manager goes, who do I start? At the, ve- at the very best possibility very best scenario could be oh like a city for example they could start a Mares or a Foden on the wing and they kind of fighting for competition but it's not that case at Villa anymore um, just all the players are out of form he doesn't know he doesn't trust I don't think he trusts them actually I think that's the problem and I think the timeline did match up with him managing Liverpool in one universe but I mean that's getting away from us now and they've got Arsenal and City in the next two games he could be in the relegation zone coming to the international break. He he could be the first manager out the door, like seriously this this winter this um, season because even last season he was pretty poor. He's beat three teams since February to this this year. Three teams he's beat and Norwich, Burnley, Everton. Yeah, I mean. Like you say, you do about trusting players. United played him in the, and I know preseason doesn't mean a lot, but United played him in preseason. He actually came out before the game and said, Oh, I'm going to give, give the start 11 about an hour. And he subbed nine of them off at half time, I think, because they played that badly. So the fact that you're saying, I'll give them an hour, it's preseason, it's all about, and they played that badly, or he deemed them to play that badly, he subs nine or eight or nine of the team off. And, you know, things like that, it can't be good for that relationship. I mean, like like Jim just said, the next two games there, do you see any any possibility that Gerard turns this around? I just think that with Stevie, when he was at Rangers, he had such a good 
supporting staff with Gary McAllister and I forget who the guy that's left who was basically like his right-hand man. I can't remember his name, but I remember reading something in The Athletic saying that basically Gerard's losing a big shoulder to lean on. And I think it's showing at the moment because you could even argue that he's out of his depth. I know people were were questioning, obviously, the route to him getting there with Rangers to Villa. It's such a, an astronomical step. And it's it's you've got to think as well, he won the league as the Rangers manager at a very good time, in my opinion, for someone who obviously has family who are from Scotland or massively into Scottish football. Celtic were very much in transition, fair enough, last season and the season before. Like They, they won the league last year because Rangers got depleted. And that's how fine margins it is there. And I think, like I said, he was very fortunate to be the manager at that time for Rangers, got Celtic slipping. And I personally do think he's out of his depth. I think this isn't his level at the moment. And I think it's showing. I think he's managing players like Coutinho, Buendia, Ings. These are these are all people that you should be getting a tune out of and the players that individually can make something out of nothing. And even at the moment, you're not even seeing half the players that you used to at Aston Villa like they're not even half producing what they can and even players that they brought in people like Luca Dean he was one of the best fullbacks in the league before he before he got sold and you never even hear of him you almost forget he's there Jim yeah I, I, I completely agree but I think he shows the difference in managing a uh, top team in the SPL and then managing a mid-table team in the Premier League but the, the levels are just different I also think we were talking about Palace form. We gave them a lot of credit. Patrick Vieira, who's obviously the next player around the same time as Gerard and Lampard and Great Rooney. Coach. Yeah, I think the difference is, I was thinking about this the other day, that um, I can't remember talking to him about it, but Vieira learned his trade. Um, Gerard, to me, it seems like he's rushed himself into the Premier League. I don't know if it's something that he's done or maybe the opportunity is too good to turn down. But I mean, like before we was on about him being the next Liverpool boss now, but his CV is... What Liverpool under 23s, Rangers, and Villa. That's his managerial CV. That's just not enough to be managing a team who was going for a quadruple last season. It's it's too much too soon. And with Vieira, he went from City Eds, he was in America for a bit, he was in yeah. France, and yeah. then now he's come over. I mean, it's a lot, it's, it's a lot longer. It's like almost double of what um, Gerard's done in his career. And I think that's a big difference between him and even like the likes of Lampard as well. If not, yeah like gone and learned something at a team that isn't expected to kind of win the league because realistically like looking back at it now it's very impressive they won the league of Rangers um, after Celtic's dominance beforehand but was that a Gerard thing or like you said Cook was that just good timing for him yeah that's the, that's the thing and and the, the, there will be an asterisk next to that obviously in winning the league and getting rid of Celtic's dominance because they won, I think, 10 or 11 on the spin prior to that. So it was a big deal that that that, that did happen. But I just think that at, at the moment you spoke about Vieira, obviously he learned his craft at New York City FC. He was the manager there for at least a year, then got the opportunity to go and manage at Nice where he did really well and built a good little crop of players down there. And it's just showing. And if it doesn't work out for Arteta at Arsenal, I think Vieira would be the next logical choice for them to slot right into there. He knows the culture. He's part of the furniture. And you could say he's part of the furniture at City as well because he did just live there towards the back end of his career. But no, I, I like Vieira. I like I like the fact that he's learning his craft the way he is. And I just think for, for Gerard, he needs to have his 
well, he needs to keep looking in that rear view mirror. Just as the next manager we're going to talk about, Stan, Brendan Rodgers, because things yeah. that seem closer than they appear, the sack race. Jim is showing me the sack race there, and he's now the bookie's favourite. Is it? Yeah, is Gerard it, and Rodgers. Yeah, it's um, Rodgers is nearly even, so he's quite a decent favourite. Gerard, like, gone right up to next to him, and then behind that is Lampard, but there's quite a big difference gap between that so it's looking like Rogers, who we spoke already in Gerard yeah here's a question for you both um, so obviously we've spoken about Rogers and uh, and Gerard, or we are going to speak about Rogers. we've spoken about Gerard. they're the two favourites for the bookies Villa's next two games are Arsenal and City <clears throat> Leicester's next two games are United and then Brighton away two uh at home to United and then Brighton away which isn't an easy fixture and then they play each other Will either of them be in charge for that Leicester Villa fixture? I think. When is it? Since is it, uh, is it not, pre or post international break? Well, it's a week this is on big. this weekend. So, or is it a midweek game? Let me find out. Actually, hold on. In, in my answer, I think it might be after the international break. But my answer is no. Tenth of September they play each other. So it's a week okay. on. It's, it's a week on Saturday. Is it? Yeah, week on. Ooh. No. That's a tasty one. And my take on it is that they both, they probably lose both games. Maybe Leicester can get something out of United. I don't know. I, I, I don't, the way they were playing, they probably lose both games or maybe a maximum they might get one point each, whatever. Um, they go into that game against each other, Stan, and I think the owners get together with Sky and they bill it as whoever loses gets sacked. And to make yeah. it even more interesting, if you like draw, they both get sacked. And we sell it, yeah, on, paper. Good. We sell it on pay-per-view. And we or the... they have to have like well, a UFC-styled fight to decide who gets sacked. If they draw, they actually <laughs> oh, have to scrap it out. <laughs> or, or the manager gets a red shave, who loses, or something like that. They'll have, they'll have to do that. They'll have to do that again. <laughs> but no, no, I, I do think both will be in charge to me, but I think they'll both be looking and going next to even United and Brighton for Leicester Leicester are bottom obviously United they've just won back-to-back games I'm looking away at Brighton I think was it was it Jim you told me Brighton have got the best defensive record this season or something like that That's yeah. away at Brighton's not yeah, an Brighton, easy game Matt. Brighton away is one of the hardest fixtures this season it, it, yeah, so. the way Potter got them playing I mean anyone getting three points there is a great result yeah, you wouldn't expect either of them to win either of those games on the face of it. So, like you say, they might be looking at that fixture and going, uh, well, Leicester are struggling, our Villa are struggling, that'll be it. We'll get our three points or we'll kick on. But um, if I had to bet, I'd say Rodgers, because I think the fact that they've not spent a penny is pretty damning as well, <laughs> in terms of maybe how they feel about how far he can take this squad. They might not want to give him any more money or or whatever the case is. I think Rodgers is probably, he's been there longer as well, so he's probably more at risk. But um and, and yeah, Rodgers, oh sorry, sorry. Good. I was no, just no. gonna, I was just gonna ask Hook that. Um, obviously, Leicester had a tougher fixture this week, and then Villa did. But they played the game against ten men for an hour, and even after ten men happened, they looked look worse. Like, like Sterling scored two. He could have had three. Ward didn't fingertip up onto the post. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know Chelsea's a tough place to go, but to play against a team for an hour and then still be dominated after the ten, like the team gets the man sent off. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And 
they, they had chances like Iosi Perez hit the bar right at the end of the game and on another day that it's the underside and it's two all and they've robbed a point and it's all doom and gloom for us but I understand what you mean like even the players that you'd want the chances to fall to they were spazzing the chances like Vardy had a great chance at, at one nil uh, sorry at nil nil and at 10 men and I was thinking how has he not scored that like that's exactly who you want that to fall to and he's he's put it wide and then, like you said, Sterling, obviously, with the, the two sucker punches, but 100%. We had 10 men for over an hour, and one of our midfielders, one of the ones that got sent off, is our fourth choice. So we had to play our fifth choice centre mid with Jorginho, who, who was Loftus-Cheek, but let's be honest, they've never really played together, and Jorginho has no legs, and Loftus-Cheek was the wing-back prior to that. But, yeah, I just want to they should have definitely got a point from that game. I'd be kicking myself if I was a Leicester fan, thinking, how have we got nothing from that game? Because in spells, they did look really good. And without James Madison, and I think they've got 80 million for Fafana now. If you're a Leicester fan, you're praying they spend it. You're praying they just chuck some money at it they, and be they, like, we need to do something. They've got to. They've got they to. They have to. Even it's boring. It's so stale. Yeah, Jusby yeah. Hall, like, with all due respect to him, who the fuck are you? Like, you're not good enough. Well, how are you even playing? <laughs> no, I'm being serious. Like, how are no, you getting no, a game? No. How are you getting a game in that team? I mean, because the fa- the fa- look at who the they've fa- had in the past. Iosi Perez at the bar. I didn't even remember he played for him. I've just I've completely forgot he existed <laughs> as a football player. Like, yeah, it's just stale. It's just stale, isn't it? I mean, they've lost Michael Vardy's. I mean, he's had a contract extension, but... Everybody knew he was getting older, and he had to, he's not he's not scored a goal this season, has he? I know we're only four games in, but normally he's scored by now against us. Um, James I, I Madison, think, I think probably wants out too. They've lost for Farner. You're looking at that squad. Tellyman's I mean, Tellyman's is out. Tellyman's He's refusing to sign a contract. He's got less than a year left. His contract's up next summer, so he'll probably sign a pre-agreement in January with someone. If you lose Madison, you lose T. Elements, Vardy's past it, and you've lost Schmeichel. It could get and, and Fafana as well. Your spine's gone completely, it's just rest out. Kind of speaking of spines, I mean, I'm just going to do a little preview, if you don't mind, lads, of what's to come this week. We're going to do a little transfer deadline day special of who we think could be incomings and outgoings, maybe as we approach the, uh, the old window slamming shut, as you might well say. But this is where, I mean, this is spoiler alert, whoever, whoever else Leicester, however we, we do it. Um, obviously lost for like I said, got 80 million. Leicester's free, if you will. So they've got Danny Ward, who has been fucking awful this season. Like, I've, never, I've not seen many keepers worse than that stand. Don't say to hey, lad, because I think this might be the only player. <laughs> I, think that, I think this might be the only keeper in the league who you've not turned to me and said better than Dea, and there's a reason. <laughs> oh, well, give it, give it, give it till Thursday night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, well, that is the battle of the show. I'm not going to say it anyway in front shitters, of me I'll say it Jim <laughs> shitters protecting what is the worst keeper in the league effectively is a 34 year old Johnny Evans and listen like him but he's 34 he shouldn't be in this league and Daniel Amati who is shit and isn't a centre back and that they've not. And it's not like they've got options behind that as well there's no one on the bench there's not a, there's, oh, the only sub we've got on the bench is Kagasi Unchu who I think is also not that good yeah he's shit so it's just if they don't bring a centre half in before the deadline day is over, they are struggling. Hello and welcome back. We're going to finish this episode by doing a lovely game of 11 Nice little one for you to finish off with. Um, and now, 
obviously, as you know, or if you don't know yet, we link the 11 ball into something that we've spoken about and what we've spoken about today is how shit Steven Gerrard is, um, <laughs> which is always lovely to talk about. Well, I don't uh, and his win is going to be. His win... Go on, have the one where he slipped. Be, you know, it's going to be the Stokes team. That's why I didn't say four. No, it's not. It's oh, not. Okay. I could have, I could have done that, but I, I'm nice. To, well, I'm kind of nice to Gerard. What it is is um, we mentioned obviously the the win percentage or loss percentage, whichever one. It is as bad as Neville's was at Valencia. So this is Gary Neville's first Valencia game, a Champions League game against Leon, in which they lost two 0 Alexander Lacazette scored for Leon. And this is going all the way back to December 2015. So cast your mind back to uh, La Liga FIFA teams. Uh, you do know all the players apart from, I've, I've just said off mic that uh, you probably won't know the keeper because I've never heard of him. Uh, and he's called Jaume, Jaume, is it? Dominic Sanchez. So I'll give you the keeper there. There's 10 yeah, outfielders. <laughs> Um, yeah, so cast, the only thing I'll say is cast your mind back to FIFA because when I see a lot of these names, I'm thinking of FIFA 15, FIFA 16, all that, that, that neck of the woods. So, Jim, I'll let you go first. Oh, thank you. Mind, mind Palace, but mind Palace. Um, my first guest, Valencia, would be Danny Parejo. Yes, there we go. Bang, straight Solid. in the middle of midfield. Danny Parejo started this game. We have the formation, sorry. Yeah, that's yeah, a it's good shout. 4-3-3 four, 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 it is. So I'll give you the keeper because did you have you heard of Dominic Sanchez? Because I haven't. No, so there you go. 4-3-3, three, three. you've got one of the outfielders. Cook, over to you. Okay. Right. Let's have a thing. Mine Palace time, like Jim said. Parejo. God, it's been a while since we've had Valencia, especially when they're after. I know, I know. This is, that's what I'm saying. Cast your mind back to La Liga. <laughs> Try and think of those FIFA cards, FIFA 14, 15, 16. A lot of these are in that. All right. A bit of a, bit of a mad one by OPD, wasn't it, at Barca? Jeremy Machu? No, he wasn't. He didn't play. I think he might have been at Barca by that point, but that's a great shout right there. Bastard. Great shout. Jim, back to you. Um, I'm really scared of guessing because I'm like, these just could be like no one for the team, but I'll go for Ezekiel Garay. <sighs> He did. He played for Valencia, but he didn't start. So this is... No. You're in the right neck of the woods, both of you. You're, you're in the right... I think you if might you, be a year or two yeah. off either side. Both you know what I mean? When you think of the player, and then I could say, and then you go, yeah, he's never played for <laughs> No, no, he did. Garay played for Valencia, he did. He might, I think it was probably at that time, actually. So, yeah, it's a good guess, but he didn't start. Cork, back to you. Oh, God. I'm trying to think... I'm trying to think full-backs, because... Oh, Cancelo? Cancelo did play right back. Jean Cancelo played right back in this game. That was an obvious one as well. Gary Neville said he was the most talented player at that Valencia uh, at Valencia when he was there, and obviously we've seen that since. Jim, back to you. <laughs> Maybe he knows uh, ball. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, he might do. He's just not good at teaching it. Uh, <laughs> was, this, this guy was the, the time. I'm going to go with uh, oh, Jose Gaia. Yes, the other fullback, FIFA legend Jose Gaia, left back there, Gaia Pena. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I hope you're in that right neck of the woods now. I hope Cancelo, Gaia, Parejo, that Valencia team of 2015 is in your minds. I'm trying to think. I've got someone on the mind, but I hope he's again like Jeremy Macho. I hope he's not at Barcelona. Andre Gomez. 
No, he didn't start in this team. I think he was at Everton by now, I think. Or Barca, yeah. He's not in this team. Not in this team. Oh, shame, shame. So I'll give you a clue since we're back to Jim. So um, one of the centre-halves is North African and the other one is European and he actually moved to Arsenal after after this. Oh, um, Mustafi. Skodra Mustafi at centre-back next to the big North African um, who's... First name and last name start with the same letter, if that gives you any help. Um, midfielders with Parejo were Brazilian and Argentinian. Oh. Uh, and you've not got any of the front three yet, but two of them are Spanish and the other one is Argentinian. So a lot of South Americans and uh, Spaniards left for you and one North African at, at the heart of defence next to Mustafi. Yeah, so I think the this North African... Might have, the North African is Amrabat or you know not no, no, the other no, bald no. Moroccan no. swat yes. what's his name what's I think his fucking name Monaco. yeah I, oh, I can see yeah, him I can see, I can see him it's not Amrabat it's Amber Summit though nearly yeah, I'm I'm and I think his first name was wasn't it is it Chump yeah I know I know I can't be I, I can't be given what I've guessed so I'll give, far, I'll give so you I'll, it I'll give you it because you've described him it's Abdenor yeah, see his face now. Yeah, there you go. I just knew he so, was bald and was Moroccan knocking about. Two centre mids with Danny Parejo and your front three, please, Jim. Over that to you. Time I could be off. Uh, he could well be in New York. David Villa? No, New York by that time, yeah. All right, st- sitting with, uh, sticking with City Football Group, Negredo! No, he wasn't there either. You were in the right neck of the woods, though. Oh, I'm sure he was there. The strikers played for Dortmund and Barca since. Oh, no, I know it. Uh, the winger is currently at Atletico Madrid, heavily linked with Leeds last summer. Uh, the other winger is, was sentenced to four years in prison and is now moving to Saudi Arabia. Oh, I've heard about him. Uh, oh, one of the defensive mids I think plays for River Plate now or did last time I heard of him and the other one um, has a name shared with another fullback who's played for City but it isn't the same guy but he was involved in the Cancelo deal <laughs> Dortmund and Passer I yeah. know, that's, the, that's the one I know that's the one I'm yeah. trying to get just trying to have that one so the front think, three, think quite I, small Jim left footed yeah Typical Spanish proper, first name. Proper proper culture, I'd say. That's, that's what I think about when I think of him. No, I don't know. Proper, like, six, six, yeah, Paco Alcacer. Oh, oh yeah. No, I got that. I didn't think of him going. Proper but made a good career for himself. So, Cookie, back to you. Two centre-mids and your wingers. I'm thinking for one of the wingers, Castillejo. I don't think he was at Milan at this point. I hope he wasn't. No. No, he was at Villarreal, wasn't he? Castillejo. Oh, he was. So he was. It's, it's, the, it's, it's the wrong Spanish V. Fucked it. Jim, back to you. Argentinian midfielder, well-rounded, quite small. I think he went to, like I say, I think he was at River Plate. I think he might have played for Sevilla as well. I'll go His initials are EP. Does that match what you're oh, saying? Oh, Enzo Perez. Enzo Perez. There oh, he's a, he's a FIFA legend. Yeah, man. Yeah, he's a FIFA legend. FIFA legend. 
That's why I yeah. said cast your mind back to FIFA because well-rounded midfielder there for your La Liga teams. I'll yeah. give you your other midfielder. He was called Danilo, Brazilian. Yeah, uh, he's currently he's back in Brazil now. Uh, but your wingers, I need your wingers. One of them's at Atleti, heavily linked to Leeds last summer. Uh, and your other one, like I say, I can't describe him more than he was sentenced to four years in prison and now he's gone playing in Saudi Arabia. It was, it, was, it, was on, it was on Twitter like a week ago. Yeah, Matt, that it's he's seen the tweet. One place for Atleti, linked to Leeds. Yes. Heavily linked to Leeds last summer. I think he was almost there. And then I think Atletico came in with a, a higher bid. Oh, so he wasn't linked oh, from so Atleti to Leeds? Uh, right, no, okay. no. He was at, um, I want to say, an Italian club. Oh, okay, that's what I was thinking. Udinese, maybe? For the guy who was sentenced to prison for four years, his first name kind of sounds like another word for Father Christmas. The other winger was signed from Udinese. He's at Atletico Madrid now. He was, like I say, heavily linked with Leeds. I think it was almost certain to go until Atletico Madrid. He's Argentinian. Time for Mudanese. Oh, and the other one, the other winger kind of sounds like Father Christmas. It's another name for him. Correa. So did you get that first? Who? Correa. No, is that wrong? No, no. I, I like it, Angel. But, uh, no. Um, no, I don't know if it's ever there. No. Do you give up both of you? Yeah. No, that's super. All right, so the other the the winger you're thinking of, the Saudi Arabia guy, is Santi Mina, which is Santa. Oh, yeah. That's what I was thinking of. He's a legend at Valencia as well. The the other winger is Rodrigo de Paul, left who uh, didn't they say to join Atleti yeah. and yeah, was very close to Bielsa's leads last summer. Oh, so there yes, you go. So so you've I'll go through the team again. It's been a bit of a while. You might have to cut some of that cut. <laughs> it was Dominic Ginnett. Cancelo, Mustafi, Abdenor and Jose Gaia. Danilo, Danny Parejo, Enzo Perez. Santimina, Alcatel and Rodrigo de Paul. Good, good team, that, Gary Neville. I don't know how you kept losing with that, but there you go. Um, and there you go, that's it. That's 11 of And the moral of that story, if you're Santimina, is if you can't do the time, don't do the crime. I've got Saudi Arabia. Right, listeners, unfortunately, it is that time of the podcast, the time where we do have to love you and leave you, but it's also the time where I can tell you where to find us when we're not making podcasts. So if you want to stay in touch with the Cookie Podcast boys, you can follow our Instagram and our Twitter using the handle cookiepodcast1. That's cookiepodcast followed by the number one. Yes, we are available in clip form on YouTube. If you want to give us a subscribe on YouTube, it is Cookie Podcast Clips. Just search that in for us to find us on there. And then if you would like to give us a little follow on TikTok, yes, we are now on TikTok with our one video. Just type in the handle The Cookie Podcast. That's T-H-E Cookie Podcast. So thank you again for a great episode, lads. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs>